Okay. Hello, and welcome to Dungeoneers to Dungeon Masters. I'm Milo. I'm Hannah. And welcome to our fifth episode. Um, so our plan for today is we're going to be talking about the new book, The Mordenkainen Presents Ma- Monsters of the Multiverse. It's a lot of M's. Yeah, it's an interesting alliteration. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, we've seen reference of Mordenkainen before, I think, in some of the books, but at least we've definitely seen, like, the name in, like, spells and stuff. I, d- I don't know who that is. <laughs> he, he's a wizard. Uh, so, like, the spell Mordenkainen's Magnific- Magnificent Mansion uh, is like is that just like a fancy or tiny hut? Yeah. What the fuck? It, yeah, because um, that's what eventually Kieran will swap like swap over to when he gets to that level. Oh, it's like okay. you you create like a full on mansion with like little invisible servants and stuff, and like it's very nice. I it's love very that. cute. That's so cute. Because you can customize it to look however you want. People can have their own individual like customly designed rooms, like all kinds of like it's it's a lot of like good role play stuff. That's very good. I like that. Um, but yeah, so a lot of, like, the books are based on, like, characters in the D&D lore. So, like, you have Xanathar's Guide to Everything, Xanathar's a Beholder, uh, you have Tasha's Cauldron, uh, Cauldron of something, uh, Tasha's Cauldron, uh, where, like, Tasha's also, I believe, a wizard, maybe, maybe witch? I don't know if that's, like, a specific, like, different, but regardless, uh, and so, like, you also see her in stuff, like, in, like, certain spells of, like, Tasha's hideous laughter. Right. So, like, a lot of the books reference in-universe people. Mm-hmm. But, so, Mordenkainen's Monsters of the Multiverse goes into, like, changing some of the races. It's not all races, but it does kind of change them up a little bit. And then also has, like, a pretty massive bestiary. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's, like, 200 of the 300 pages yeah. is just bestiary. <laughs> so, and some of them are things from the monster manual that have been revamped a little bit and some of them are completely new so i thought we would just kind of go over some of the things that like stuck like kind of stood out to us as like either interesting or like good changes maybe talk a little bit about some of the changes that we don't like as much because there are some of them there uh and just kind of go over like the book a little bit since i know a lot of people probably haven't spent too much time looking at it um i think it's available like already to be purchased we just have a pdf that uh we're looking at yeah, um, I think one of the first things to note is, like, they seem to be phasing out short rests. So, like, basically any, like, race that has a short rest ability has now been changed. So now instead of it being a short rest, you have, you can do it a number of times equal to your proficiency modifier per long rest. Yeah, I just, I don't like that. I like short rest. <laughs> short rest feel like an effective way to just keep your day going. Yeah. Especially if you're in some sort of, like, dungeon situation or something like that, where you know you're going to need to continue going before you can reasonably take a long rest. I guess I can understand how they're kind of annoying if you're, like, a spellcaster who doesn't get your spells back. Yeah. But... If you want to, like, not die and also not waste healing spells or healing potions, I feel like that's the entire point of a short rest. Yeah, and, like, we can only speculate on, like, how they're going to adapt to that if they do fully phase them out, because there are some classes that are entirely reliant on short rests of, like, things that get things back on short rests, or such as, like, Bard's Song of Rest, which is only done during a short rest. Um, and there's not really anything in the book that talks about that. No. It seems like they might be in the f- in the process of phasing out, but I don't think that we'll see that until they release 5.5e. So we've got another, like, two years until that happens. 
When 5.5e comes out, will all of the regular books still be, like, usable? Oh, yeah. How does that it's, okay. it's supposed to be back compatible with uh, the rest of 5th edition. Okay. So that's nice. Um, but it is most likely they're going to be releasing a new player's handbook, new Dungeon Master's Guide, and a new Monster Manual. Yeah. So it'll essentially be what 3.5 is to th- the 3rd edition. Right. Um, you'll have people who, like, don't move on. They continue just using the standard 5e stuff. You'll have people who do transition over to, like, 5.5. Um, part of why I wanted to, like, talk about this book is, like, there's some interesting, like, race changes that, like, players may want to incorporate into their character. So I'm going to allow, if you're playing a race that does get changed, so in your case, Asimar does have a change. I saw that. Um, so it completely, one of the things that this does is it seems to completely get rid of subclass, like, sub-races. Yeah. As a concept. Um, so you may see, like, especially with, like, elves, they have their own individual categories. They're no longer just listed as, like, sub-race of elf. So, like, Shatter Kai, Sea Elves, um, Aladrin, stuff like that, have their own thing. Whereas, um, for, like, the Asimars, it's just completely removed. They can now just choose which ability they take. Yeah, which I guess is nice. I guess it doesn't super make a difference if you're just choosing one anyways. (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, it doesn't seem like it'll make a huge difference. It might make it a little bit easier for people to be like, yeah, I don't feel like I have to fit in with, like, the like the thing. Especially with, like, um, Fallen Asimar, I feel like it has kind of, like, a connotation that people probably like, kind of, like, sort themselves into. Right. Or, like, they don't have to go, like, oh, I'm a protector Asimar. I have to be, like, lawful right. in some way. Right, yeah, that does make sense. I like that I can choose to be small if I want. Yeah, I think that that's a really interesting thing is, like, some of these races just, they now have the option to be small. It is interesting which ones they do and don't allow you to change. <laughs> yeah. And, like, a lot of people have, like, talked about, like, the changes to the Aarakocra of, like, their speed got significantly reduced. Well, wasn't that whole thing, though, because it was kind of unfair for flying races to just, like, you just kind of have this really broken character? Well, it was also that their flying speed initially was 50. Yeah, that's crazy. And so now it's 30. Yeah, as it should be. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of a broken thing to have in your party if someone's speed is just, like, double off the bat. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, there's definitely been, like, some kind of conflict about that, whereas, like, people are like, oh, well, it's not as good anymore. It's like, I think that... People will actually get to play it though because it's no longer going to be banned in so many things. I was going to say, weren't DMs banning mm-hmm. races like Aarakocra just because they were so unfair from the jump? Yep. Um, they've also added like Fey Ancestry as a feature to a lot of races I don't think had it before. A lot, like basically all the goblin races now have Fey Ancestry. Interesting. Which I thought was pretty cool because I don't think that that was initially a thing that they had. Yeah, it does look like there are a lot of, like, fey as I'm scrolling through this. Yeah, so, like, now they'll have the advantage on, like, saving throws um, to, like, avoid or end the charmed condition. Um, But it doesn't say anything about not being able to be magically put to sleep, Hmm. which I thought was a fey ancestry thing for elves, but we'll see further down if that's still a thing. Maybe it would be, like, too much. (laughs) That's true. If now all of these other races had that, too. Yeah, and, like, I think another interesting thing about it is that, like, we're seeing kind of an uptick in, like, less human-looking races, I think. I think that's cool. Yeah, I think it's really nice because if you look at, like, all the starter races for, like, the traditional player's handbook, everything kind of looked like a human just, like, either squished or, like, stretched out a little. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's, like, a slightly different color, whereas now we get, like, a lot of more, like, kind of monstrous-looking races that aren't, like categorized in a very specific way it's like Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, let's see. So yeah, so Changelings also got like a bit of an update. So we'll see if Arden wants to change Kieran a little bit with that of like, you can now uh, change when you're doing your shape changer. It used to be that you could still only be a medium creature, mm. but now you can switch between medium and small. That's so that's so that's nice. You can actually like really make yourself look like a, like a goblin or like a halfling or right, something. Right, you can be more convincing if that's what you're trying. Yeah. Um, they also did remove the whole like uh, persona, I think is what it was called, where it was like you got proficiency with an uh, like a tool or something as long as you were in that persona. Oh, okay. So now instead, you just get uh, changeling instincts, so you now get proficiency with two, like, skills from, like, a small list. Okay. Um, so I think that that's going to be interesting. And, like, like I said, with, like, the kind of separating uh, sub-races out, they now just have Deep Gnome as its own kind of category. Same thing with, like, the Duragar for, like, dwarves. Um, I think they also... I don't know if they've always had the 120 feet dark vision for, like, uh... Deep Gnomes and Duragar, but that's double what, like, the standard Dark Vision is. I was gonna is. say, that's kind of a lot. So, that, I think, might be new. You were talking about age stuff before we started recording. I am seeing that there is still age stuff in some of these. Yeah, so it's, there's now, things can still live longer than that, but everything lives at least 100 years. Mm. So it says, um... It? Well, they don't notice it for every okay, race, here we go. but for, it does talk about, like, typical lifespan for a lot of these. Yeah, so at the beginning, when it's, like, going over stuff for lifespan, it says, the typical lifespan of a player character in the D&D multiverse is about a century, mm. assuming the character doesn't meet a violent end. Right. Members of some races, uh, such as dwarves and elves, can live for centuries, um, but basically, if typical members of a race in this book can live longer than a century, that fact will be mentioned. Oh, okay, that's why it's not mentioned for everyone. Yeah. Um, and then they also, like, kind of changed up height and weight a bit, so now, instead of, like, there being just standard heights and weights for, like, different races, it's just player characters, regardless of race, typically fall into the same ranges of height and weight that humans have in our world. That's fair. Which, yeah, yeah, definitely makes sense. I think that that's also part of them changing it, of, like, how people can now be, like, smaller medium for a lot of the races. Right. So I think that's going to be pretty interesting to see. And, like, the whole, like, languages, rather than having, like, common and a racial language, everyone just gets common and something else. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's nice. I can see the use for that. The age thing I still don't get because it's, like, if you wanted to pick a race that has a shorter lifespan or whatever, you could just play them younger. Or if you want to play them older, that can be a whole facet of their character. Yeah, like how Kermit is, like... A couple years from death. Yeah, like I don't, I don't see why changing the lifespan really matters because players are going to pick yeah. to make their characters old or young dependent upon their like race's age range, regardless. Yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely see that. I definitely agree. I just don't know why it's one of those things where it's like we're taking this out. Everyone lives to a hundred. It's like why does everyone live to a hundred? Like, I don't know, why is this super interesting, like, creature living the same age as a person? Yeah. Realistically, if someone's living to be 700 years old, there's probably someone who also lives to only be 50. Yeah. I just don't know why you wouldn't have, like, a top, you wouldn't have, like, a ceiling, but you do have a floor. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I... All I can think is that it must come from a perspective of, like, spells that, like, age your character... I guess. Because, like, I guess if you're like, oh, I'm playing a character that's, like, got, like, a 30-year lifespan, 
uh, and like you for whatever reason get hit with a spell or an effect that like ages you ten years, that could be pretty significant. I guess that's kind of on your DM though, right? Yeah. Like they could also make like you could probably bend the rules on that and say like, oh, okay, if you know, <laughs> like make it a percentage years, of your life. Yeah, like if twenty years is a fifth of a human's life, then it could be like one fifth of whatever creature you are. Because yeah. it's also it's like that spell is useless for elves when if you live yeah. seven hundred years, what is twenty years? Yeah. Like again, in the opposite direction, it doesn't matter in that case. Yeah. <laughs> like you should get aged up a hundred years then at that point. That's true. Yeah. Aging characters, I feel like, happens very rarely, but we got to see it in our game for, I think, the first time. It's very funny when it happens. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, I don't know how long this is going to be, uh, and one of our characters got aged by two weeks, which, you know, I don't think really anyone else in the party has really, like, paid attention to that aspect. I don't think so. I mean, it wouldn't really make a big difference to anyone else. Like, two yeah. weeks doesn't seem like it's a lot. It's just messed with me mentally. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was I was intrigued to see how long someone could end up in there, because I was like, potentially four years was the max that someone could have ended up uh, doing. Yeah, that would have fucked me up real bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kids, can you imagine the psychological toll? Of just being stuck in a room for four years? Yes. yes with only a worm to talk to. <laughs> well, that's the difference, right? Is those spells, like, age you immediately. This was, you are stuck in a room yeah. for two weeks straight. <laughs> Or four years. <laughs> God, that was fucked up of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, one, had to think on the spot of like, okay, what would happen in this case? And I was like, okay, time's a little weird here. This is something that could happen. Uh, I, y'all did so many things I wasn't planning on, and that's always how it goes, and yet... <laughs> You don't put weird shit in a session and not expect us to fuck with the weird shit. I wasn't expecting two, two players, not one two different players to sell their souls to an entity. And you shouldn't have expected that. I don't know why a second person would do the same stupid shit. Yeah, uh, and it's gonna come back eventually. Good. As it should. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it, it's like right now it has a benefit. They, they got a thing. Uh, but it's gonna come with a cost. There should be a cost. I, I maintain that's what they deserve. <laughs> oh yeah, th there will be a cost. I'm a little bit... I was definitely expecting y'all to at least stay the night there and then maybe fuck around more the next day. We already spent like two hours in there, like that's fair. in real life. <laughs> that's that's fair. I don't think anyone wanted to spend the entire session in there. That's fair. Yeah, I just expected that to be like a place of like, yeah, people can like stop and get their long rest in here. I don't know. We just didn't think about it. Yeah, <laughs> I think we all just kind of wanted to like be done with it. <laughs> that's fair. I think that people were also like reasonably afraid of it. As they should have. As been. they should have been. You were gonna throw some nasty shit at us. Yeah. <laughs> Look, there was a potential for nothing to go wrong if everyone paid their dues, uh, and then there was potential for stuff to go wrong if people went to go sleep in a room and hadn't paid their dues, or went to go sleep somewhere. Yeah, I wasn't going to mess with that. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Let's see, what other fun things? Oh yeah, so I guess this is not really going to be something that I think you know too much about, because I don't think you've ever looked much at a Ladrin. No, I haven't. So they're season-based, and it used to be that when you pick, you pick your season and you get certain abilities. Now they can change what season they are every time they trance. Oh, that's really cool. So they can, like, kind of adjust either based on, like, kind of what the player's feeling, or if they want to, like, spice it up a little bit and have it, like, actually change with the seasons. Oh, that's cool. Uh, get different abilities during those times. Um, this is also, I think, the first time I've really seen actual fairies. Yeah, I noticed that. 
So I have like my own homebrew version of a fairy that I've created. But I think that this is the first one I've seen like in canon. Other than of course like monster manual stuff. So I'm intrigued by it. Uh, I feel like they definitely missed an opportunity to have anything to do with like names just because I like fey lore where it's like names are like a thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it also just, I don't know, I can't imagine playing like an actual like teeny tiny itty bitty fairy, but that's her. go I off mean, I guess. I mean, you're just, you're small. Your size is small. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm looking at this image and I'm thinking itty bitty. That's fair. Yeah, let's see. So yeah, Furbolg, I think, got a slight change. Actually, no. They actually might be about the same. Looking at it now. I mean, they would have to have changed for them to show up in the book, right? I don't think so. I think that they also just reprinted some of these. Oh. Okay. Because, like, I don't notice a change. It may... Was it just because they weren't in, like, a previous actual manual that maybe they got put in? Maybe. Yeah, because I'm like, Furbolg definitely doesn't look like a change from the, from just, like, glancing at it. I might have to just compare side by side. Right. Um, I know Genasi got a pretty significant change. What changed with them? Um, so for your specific type, some of them, so like, uh, I think Air Genasi didn't get too much of a change. You can still hold your breath indefinitely. Oh, they now have a damage resistance. They now have resistance to lightning damage, which That's is pretty cool. cool. Um, and I think that their like spell like that they got that they get stayed about the same. Actually, no, wait. no, they definitely would not have had shock and grasp initially. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, Earth Genasi, let's see, Earth Genasi actually doesn't look like it changed too much. Oh, Blade Ward as a cantrip, which kind of sucks as a cantrip. Mm. But I mean, it lets you cast it as a bonus action. So. Oh, okay. Well, but at least you're not wasting too much on it. Yeah. Um, Fire Genasi, I think stayed, yeah, I think that most of it would be like the spell changes that I'm seeing. Gotcha. Because like, the only other like distinct change that I do notice is that like the air genasi got the lightning resistance. Mm, okay. Um I don't know anything I don't know enough about the gift to know if like the Geth Yonki or the Geth Sarai actually changed much. That's fair. I think it had something to do I think I saw people talking about like their psychic res oh no the astral knowledge thing is something new for like the Geth Yonki. So like whenever you finish a long rest you gain proficiency in a skill of your choice. Um, and with one weapon or tool of your choice uh, until, like, your next long rest. Oh, that's cool. So if you're like, hey, I need to be able to kind of, like, do these things going forward for, like, a little bit, I'm going to, like, swap it to that. That's super helpful, actually. Yeah. Um, let's see. Goblins. Yeah, so Goblins got the Fey Ancestry, which I think is just... That's definitely new. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, they're also Fury of the Small changed a little bit. I think it used to be that uh, the damage was equal to your level. It's now equal to your proficiency bonus, mm -hmm. and I think you can do it more often. So I think that that was another one that like you used to get back on a short rest, and then now it's like proficiency bonus number of times like per long rest. R.I.P. Short rests. <laughs> yeah, I I really think that they're just gonna fully get rid of it at some point. Uh, let's see, Herangon. Yeah, so like the rapid hop, you can use it a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus per long rest. Now you see why I'm making this the rogue. Yeah. <laughs> They're good for rogues. <laughs> They're definitely good for rogues. Herangon definitely, like, one, the fact that you add your proficiency bonus to your initiative rolls, like, mm -hmm. that's gonna be nice. <laughs> and let's see, hobgoblins. Oh yeah, hobgoblins now have some, like, interesting options with, like, the third level traits that you can get when you take the help action. I think that that's new. 
Uh, what is it? Uh, so when you take the help action, you can choose either hospitality, passage, spite. Um, yeah, so one of those three. So hospitality, you and the creature you help each gain a number of temporary hit points equal to 1d6 plus your proficiency bonus. Passage, you and the creature you help each increase your walking speed by 10 feet until the start of your next turn. Or spite, until the start of your next turn, the first time the creature you help hits its target with an attack roll, that target has disadvantage on the next attack it makes within one minute. Oh, okay. So I think that those are new. I don't remember those being a thing beforehand, so that's interesting. Do you remember anything different about Kenku? (laughs) Yes, so... Kenku besides the uh, the, the size. size thing. So Kenku no longer have the ability, like they no longer are bound by only being able to say certain words. They can just speak as normal. Ah. So they can still mimic things, but they no longer can only mimic. Interesting. So that's definitely like a different thing. Um, I think expert duplication changed a little bit. I think it was just like you used to just have proficiency with like forgery tools, but now you can like have advantage on ability checks to like reproduce like. A copy of something. I guess um, realistically, there probably weren't a ton of people playing Kenkus if they were so limited in their language. Yeah. And then uh, there's also now the Kenku recall. So, like, you have proficiency of two skills, and when you make an ability check using any skill you have proficiency with, you can give yourself advantage, which is nice. Um, and of, of course, number of times you can do your proficiency for a long rest. Yeah, that's really nice. So, like, I think that that's going to be a thing that a lot of people who, like, make skill-based characters are going to, like, possibly look at Kenku for that. Uh, Kobolds, I know they got rid of the pack tactics. Um, so pack tactics was that, like, if you had an ally within five feet of you, you had advantage on all of your attacks. Oh, that makes sense. And so Why that, did they get rid of that? Uh, I think it was because it was kind of broken. Oh, that's fair. Because <laughs> if you had ten kin, uh, not ten, Jesus, two kinkus, uh, nope, kobolds, <laughs> fuck. Wow, I really know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> if you had two kobolds in a party, they could just stand beside each other and give each other advantage on all attacks. Did it have to be just kobolds with each other? No, it just had to be allies. Okay. But, like, two kobolds are giving each other the advantage. Right. So you have two characters who are always having advantage on attacks. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, they also got some more draconic stuff. So, like, they got a cantrip for, like, draconic sorcery. Um, they get, like, their draconic cry to, like, I think... Yeah, it gives you and your allies advantage on attack rolls against creatures that can hear you uh, for the next turn, I think. Yeah, until the start of your next turn. Well, that makes a lot of sense. They should be more dragony. Yeah. Uh, they also... Oh, sorry. The Draconic Sorcery is one of the possible legacy options. So Cobalt Legacy has that, Craftiness, or Defiance. Oh, okay. So, like, Craftiness gives you proficiency in a skill from, like, a small list. Defiance gives you advantage on saving throws to avoid being frightened or, like, in the frightened condition. And then the Draconic Sorcery. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So, Lizard Folk got, I think, a small nerf in the sense that I think that they used to have an ability that would, like, give them advantage on, like, their uh, bite attack if they were, like, doing something. So, let me see. Yeah, I think they used to be, like, they got advantage on their, like, bite attack mm-hmm. or something. Um, but their bite still was just, like, a pretty standard. Um, oh, I think that also something that I noticed is that things that had, like, an unarmed, like, attack of some kind, whereas, whether it was, like, bite or claws, I think that those used to pretty standard be 1d4, and now they're 1d6. Oh, wow, okay. So that was definitely a boost. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, especially if you're making, like, a monk or something that, like, normally wouldn't get that until, like, much later. 
Uh, Minotaurs, I think, had a small change. I really don't know too much actually about Minotaurs, enough to say, but I think the labyrinthine recall is new, where, like, you always know which direction is north and have advantage on survival checks to navigate or track. I get it. Minotaur. Labyrinth. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) It's just like, that's definitely... I think that's new. I don't recall that being a thing, but I'm also not super familiar with Minotaurs. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Orcs, I think, look pretty similar. I know that they no longer have the, I think it was the aggressive ability, where they could, like, um, take the that, where they could, like, use a reaction or maybe a bonus action to move up to their speed toward another creature. Well, that's cool, though. I yeah. like that. Well, that's what got, that's what they used to have. No, I know. <laughs> uh, so now they have Adrenaline Rush, which I think is probably what replaced it. So you can take the dash action as a bonus action, and you can do this a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. So this gives you a little more variety with it. Uh, you don't have to be running toward a creature. Oh, okay. You can just dash as a bonus action. A satyr that looks... Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't understand what's up with the satyr. Uh, it's Pride Month. Yay. Happy gay satyr Pride Month. <laughs> So I don't know enough about what the normal satyrs before this were to know if there are too many changes. Um, okay, so here we go. So we got to our first elf. So let's look at like some things there. What is the point of sea elf versus like triton? <laughs> uh, I think it's because you get the other like elf abilities, like the like um, fey ancestry trance stuff mm, like that. Okay. So, yeah, because um, you're able to breathe air and water and you have resistance to cold damage, which is nice. Um, and then, like, you're good at making friends with, like, aquatic creatures. So you can communicate simple ideas to any beast that has a swimming speed. That's cute. Mm-hmm. And so it understands you, though it has no ability to, un- to like, for you to understand it. Oh. <laughs> um... Yeah, so it's looking like they got rid of the part of Fey Ancestry where you can't be put to sleep magically. Oh, okay. So now it's only advantage on saving those to avoid being charmed, mm-hmm. which I think is definitely going to be interesting. And I think that's also pretty fair because I think that like not being able to be put to sleep magically definitely like put some challenges out there. Like DMs had to think about it of like, okay, how am I going to handle this situation if like the entire like thing is like they're going to be knocked out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so it looks like trance still works, uh, but there's also new, the new thing of when you finish a trance, you gain two proficiencies that you don't have, each one with a weapon or tool of your choice selected from like the player's handbook, uh, until you finish your next long rest. So it makes it a little easier for you to like, uh, change up your proficiencies. And I think that that's a thing for all elves, like, or elf-ish creatures. So like the Shatter Kai have that as well. Um... Let's see. Yeah, and then I think that there's like a small change with like the shifter as well in terms of like your actual shifting. So like you now choose. Actually, no, I guess you still choose like what form you take like when you create the character. It's not every time. Mm, okay. Um, but like it's now kind of more clear that it's like you have a lycanthrope ancestor and that's why you can do this. Gotcha. And so, like, you can, like, either choose it or you can roll for your lycanthrope ancestor mm-hmm. and, like, it gives the suggested shifting option for that. So I think that that's pretty nice. It's nice that it's also not, um, 
or it's nice that you still have a choice to yeah. pick which one you have, but it's just a shifting option. Yeah. Um, let's see, Tabaxi. Yeah, so their cat's claws are now 1d6 plus strength, which I'm pretty sure it used to be 1d4. Oh, cool. And they can also now be small. Oh, that's adorable. You can now have a munchkin tabaxi. A tiny, teeny kitty. <laughs> I'm just like, that's so cute. It is really cute. Um, turtle. Let's see. Yeah, your claws are 1d6 for the turtle. Uh, which always fucks me up in turtles having claws, but I know that they do realistically. Yeah, they do. They're big. I yeah. mean, they're not... I guess the problem that, like, the funny thing about it is that you don't really picture, like, turtles and tortoises being yeah. fast with their claws. Yeah. Um, let's see. Holding breath is still an hour. Natural AC is still 17. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no one ever plays turtle, and I'm like, okay, if you want to make a tank, make a turtle. You, yeah, You don't honestly. even need armor. Yeah, I mean, if your walking speed isn't diminished at all. Yeah, because your walking speed's 30. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So that's super fucking nice, actually. And you can also be medium or small. Does your dex, can you, will you still increase your AC based on your dex? No, so your dex mod doesn't increase AC, but you can wear a shield. Oh, okay. I guess that's not, that's not terrible. Because it's not like you'd be wearing armor anyway if you were a barbarian. Yeah. So literally, you could be like, yeah, I'm going to be like a turtle that has a natural AC of 17. And then just wear some brazers. Yeah. <laughs> that is very nice. Uh, you can also withdraw into your shell as an action. I love that. <laughs> uh, so you, until you emerge, you gain a plus four to your AC, have advantage on strength and con saves. And when you're, when you're in your shell, you're prone, speed is zero, and you have disadvantage on dex saves. That would make sense. Uh, and the only action you can take is a bonus action to emerge from your shell again. Okay, also makes sense. Um, so let's see, Triton, uh, you're amphibious. Uh, let's see. Your resistance to cold damage, dark vision, imagery of the sea. So yeah, I think that like for the most part, Trident stayed about the same, just kind of glancing at this. Okay. Um, Yuan had a small change. What did it change? Um, so their poison resistance, mm -hmm. I think. So it, it used to be that you were resistant to poison damage. Yes, you do. Or maybe been fully immune is what it used to okay, be. Okay, this one, yeah, I was like, you do have resistance to poison damage. Yeah. Um. So I think that it used to be immunity, and now it's resistance. Gotcha. Um, I think that the magic resistance, oh yeah, so magic resistance for anything that has that got a change, because it used to be you have advantage on saving throws against all magical effects, mm -hmm. and there was a lot of debate on what counts as a magical effect. Gotcha. People are like, oh, well, like, is a dragon's, like, breath attack a magical effect? Yeah, I can see why people would get very specific about things. Yeah, so people would be like, well, does a dragon's breath attack count as magic? Yeah, I can see why people would get very pedantic about that. Yeah, and you would always have people who are like, I think that I should have advantage on this because of this, and DMs who are like, sometimes I'll allow it, other DMs who are like, no. Yeah. And it created just a lot of confusion, I think. That makes sense. So now they've changed it so it specifically states spells, but it does kind of take away of like any other non-spell effect. Nah, fair enough. You can't be resistant to everything. Yeah. Um, I think another cool thing, so moving on to, like, the bestiary, is, like, the, they intro introduced, I'm not exactly how, how to pronounce a bishai? I don't know. <laughs> uh, which are kind of, like, devilish dragons, which are interesting, or, like, I guess draconic devils, whichever way you want to, like, do it. Because I guess, yeah, they are devils, they just look like dragons, and they have the, like, chromatic, like, dragon colors. That's very cool. That give different effects, and, like... They definitely range in how tough they are. So, like, the black ab abishai has a challenge rating of 7, 
uh, versus the blue is 17. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, and I think that the highest is the red, which is 19. These look super cool. Yeah. So, like, these definitely seem like they would be really interesting to bring in, especially if you're, like, doing a kind of, like, fiendish campaign of sorts where, like, you're interacting with a lot of fiends or, like, going to any of these plans. Mm -hmm. These seem, like, really fun. Um, and they also kind of give a little variety of, like, the black Ibishai are, like, assassins and infiltrators, um, whereas, like, the blue look more, like, mage-like. Mm -hmm. um, and, like... I like the addition of, like, giving monsters a proficiency bonus, because mm -hmm. I think that it really makes it a lot easier, especially if you're, like, taking a monstrous race and giving it a class, which I've sometimes done. Right. Uh, it makes it easier for figuring out of, like, what kind of modifier to use if you have, like, proficiency in something. I still don't like how they s still just give weird alignments to everything. Yeah. Like... I I'm noticing now it's it's nice that it's like typically typically, but then there are still some that are just straight up. Yeah, like just lawful evil. It's like okay, not even. Why is this one not typically? Or like why is this why is this thing unaligned? <laughs> You're telling me that's not evil. He's just an astral dreadnought. He's just vibing in the in the astral sea. I just I don't know. It, it's this weird thing of like if you're just gonna make these all monsters anyways, why does it matter what kind of evil they are? Yeah, that's fair. Or it's just the whole thing of like if we were taking away typical alignments of things, why do we still keep them for bestiaries? Yeah, I guess. That's fair. I also like. Little, little demon fungus. That is very funny. It's just like, okay. I don't know when I put that into my game, but okay. It's cute. But also the fact that it's a challenge rating 11. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> uh, there's definitely some real, real interesting looking things, such as the fucking Jabba the Hutt looking motherfucker. These are some fucked up things. Yeah. <laughs> I like the cadaver collector. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and some of these definitely are ones that I've seen in other books. So I assume that they're in here because they got, like, a change. But then some of them are new of, like, how they introduce, like, archdruid, bard, archer as, like, kind of things that make it, I think, a little bit easier if you're just putting in random, like, encounters. Right. Uh, but, yeah, and some of these... I think that they added a lot of fiends. I think it's the big thing that I've noticed. Like, you get a lot of, like, the demon lords. You get, like, some devils. Uh, but yeah, the Astral Dreadnought, he's just a little dude, uh, or I guess a big dude, he's gargantuan. <laughs> I like uh -huh. all the clockwork things, too. Those are oh really yeah, cool. those are nice. I feel like, I don't know how I'd incorporate them into a game, but I feel like they could definitely be they, fun. I feel like they'd be in a, a differently stylized game. Like, you don't put a lot of, like, machines in our campaign. That's true. But if you had, like, a, a more mechanical, steampunky type world, this would be really cool. Yeah. I think also one of the benefits of them adding a lot of, like, fiends and stuff is this gives a lot more variety for things that, like, summon demons. Right. And, like, both for, like, enemies and for players. Who, I like, like cranium rats. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I got distracted by the cranium rats. Yeah, the cranium rats are, are definitely interesting because those are also, like, an already existing thing. Baphomet. Baphomet's cool. The corpse flower, also very fun. Just the fact that Baphomet challenge rating 23. Yeah, look. <laughs> he, he big. He, he upsettingly big. Some things have to be upsettingly big. That's fair. 
Um, let's see, Vargas definitely stayed the same, or like at least it's like one that I've seen before. Um, yeah, I think a lot of these are ones that I've seen in like the um, Volo's Guide to Monsters. That makes sense. Dolphins. Yeah. Just dolphins. Yeah, just dolphins. Like the section for cattle, at least they looked interesting. These are just dolphins. Yeah. I don't understand. They're, they're just dudes. <laughs> I also, like, I like how some of the, like, pictures are just, like, just the animal, and then some of them are, like, the animal and something else, and you're like, I know logically which one is which. Right. But, like, t- he, could, he could be a cow. He yeah. Could, he, he could be the cow. I thought drow were playable. They are. Why are there so many different types of drow, like? I mean, it's the same way that, like, Yuan-Ti also have, like, the different variations. Mm, okay. I think it's because they started off non-playable. Gotcha. Um, let's see. I guess also, like, orcs and hobgoblins and other goblinoids also have, like, a blob variety. There's just so many types of drow. Yeah. And the Durgar or whatever. I also really dislike the new picture for the choker. Yeah, that, that's an X-Files monster. That's a creature from the Black Lagoon. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, yeah, out here with, like, the extra long limbs for no reason. You got, you got weird hands. I don't, I don't like him. Also, I didn't realize that he was small. I thought he was, like, person size. <laughs> That's new information. Okay, and, like, here's another... Hold on. Let me just double-check this before he's... Okay, here's another thing. I'm, like, looking through, and you get to the part with the Durgers or whatever. Yeah. And all of them are any alignment. And then you go back up to the Drow, and, like, most of them are typically, like, evil-aligned. And it was like, yeah. what was the fucking point then? What was the point of taking away alignments for playable characters if you're going to put, like, them in the bestiary and align them? Yeah. I just don't get it. I, I definitely agree. I definitely... And there were so many good reasons for taking away typical alignments for playable characters because it always seems like it gets very, like, racially motivated and that's always been a big problem with D&D. Yeah. But then you put it back in the bestiary. So, like, what's the point? Yeah, I, I definitely think that they should have left it out completely. Yeah, or, like, make it... If, if it's any sort of, like, character... Or if it's any sort of beast that is playable or thing in the bestiary that's playable... Just put them as any alignment. Don't even bother doing that. It just seems counterintuitive at that point. Yeah, and then let's see. Oh yeah, so the Eladrin are also in the bestiary, which is interesting. So, but like, it's only Eladrin. Like, they don't just have, like, elf. Weird. Um, And they're typically chaotic neutral. Why? What's the point? (laughs) It's just like, fey? I just don't get it. Like, Dorders are, like, unaligned. And then yeah. Aladrins are neutral, and then Drows are evil. Like, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. I do like the new uh, Elder Tempest. It's just a just big, big uh, cloud, cloud. Fire Newt. Yeah, I, I fucking love Fire Newt. <laughs> flail Snail! What changed with the Flail Snail? Um, My boy. Let me look at him. I mean, he now has a proficiency bonus. He's now proficient. Oh, good. As he should be. <laughs> Um, let's see. Anti-magic shell looks like it's pretty much the same. Yeah, the frog hemoth. <laughs> Unfortunately. These are so funny. I'll be honest, I'm not sure what changed about the flail snail. Fair enough. Oh, are these just, like, different types of... Are these new types of beholders? Uh, yeah, some of them are new. Some of them are in Volo's Guide. I think that what they did was they took a lot of the stuff from Volo's Guide and put it in here. 
Interesting. Yeah. I also like the frost salamander. He's just a big dude, and he looks a whole lot like a Bahir. That's very cute. But I'm also like, we now have a frost salamander. There's a flame salamander. Can we get other salamanders? And the gifts are unaligned. What's the point? <sighs> oh. I also, I, I like the gif. Yeah, gifs are cute. He's just, he's, just, he's just a hippopotamus dude. Ah, uh, there's the grung. Yep, and also the thing about the grung is they took away the color hi- hierarchy. That was probably for the best, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of weird to put a caste system. Yep. So I'm definitely glad that they did that. Um, Ooh, Hellfire Engine. Mm-hmm. There's Stephen King. Uh, let's see. Oh, I don't like the howler. Yeah, different hobgoblins. Oh, yeah, the howler. He, it reminds me of, like, the howling monkeys. Yeah, I hate howling. I don't like monkeys. That's fair. And kobolds are any alignment. So what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, there's really no reason for uh, it. It's just, like, they're just shitting on the drow. Yeah, which... Yeah, what a have, shock. Yeah, like, they have a history of doing, unfortunately. I just don't get it. What was the point of, like, saying you were to do these things? <laughs> Yeah. I also like that they brought a Leviathan into, like, the Monster Manual. Oh, yeah. But it's not, like, a typical, like, snake-like creature. It's an elemental that's just, like, a force of nature. I like they put Moloch in here. Now, let's see. Master Thief. Um, I fucking hate the Maw Demon. <laughs> it just... I hate a lot of these things. They're very upsetting to look at. That's fair. Mind witness. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, just a lot of fiends. Which, I mean, it's cool. They look interesting. Yeah. So I feel like now I have to include more fiends in my game. Yeah, probably. Oh, good. Yep. There's the shot archai. Typically neutral evil. (laughs) Of course they are. Mm Mm-hmm. Anything vaguely edgy looking. I just... <laughs> What's the point? I also... I dislike him. Who, oh, yeah. I don't like that either. I, I like the Shadow Mastiffs. They're very cute. Mm-hmm. Can you put one in a pet store? Please. Possibly. <laughs> uh, I love Ooblek. I love that they put Ooblek in the <laughs> fucking game. That's so funny. Let's see. Ooh, I don't like all the different types of sorrow sworn. Oh There's yeah, a they're lot they're, of they're them. a little 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 fucky. Yeah, they're very fucky. And all these star spawns and the steeders. Yeah, like some of those are definitely new. Like those are ones I definitely have not seen previously. Yeah, oh god, the sorrow sworn just look un just unpleasant. <laughs> Just, there's, there's nothing good about them. This one's name starts with Titty. <laughs> Thank you for your commentary. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, you're turtles. Any, any alignment? What a fucking shock. Yeah. Yeah, and like, some of these are like, I can definitely understand why they're in here, but some of these I'm like... I'm pretty sure that these are the exact same thing. I don't see a difference. Yeah, it is weird to put them in into a new book that you're paying for yeah. if there's no difference to them. Yeah. Also, wh- why is there a dire troll? Who needed a dire troll? I don't know. 
Oh, look at this tiny little boy wizard. Yeah, he's just a little dude. A little dude. Lots of different types of wizards. Holy shit. Yeah. Also, gotta love vampiric mist. As if a vampire wasn't enough. Now, now there's fucking vampiric mist. Why are there so many types of wizards in here? I don't know. Fucking Varghuli. I like Varghuli. I, I hate the image of just a head with wings. Ah, there they go. The UNT. Typically evil. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ooh, but they gave them temples. Yeah. That's cool. I was also intrigued by, like, the warlord, because I used yeah. to be, I think, a class. Oh. I think there used to be a warlord class. And That's I'm wondering, really cool, actually. I'm wondering if they're thinking about bringing that back by... That would be super cool. It. What does the warlord do? If I remember correctly, it was kind of like a barbarian before a barbarian was like... Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think that, if I remember correctly, because I think that Warlord was in either 4th edition or 3.5. Okay. It's always weird when things are, like, taking things away. Yeah. Because it makes you wonder, why? Yeah. <laughs> what was the reason for replacing this thing? But yeah, so... Oh, I also did like that this also includes tables for you to, like, roll on. Um... Or, sorry, not for you to roll on, but for you to, like, reference. Um, oh, like the stat blocks and stuff? Yeah, so, like, you can look at, like, challenge rating things for what area you're in. Right. That is really helpful, actually. So I think that that's going to be really good for DMs who are like, what can I throw in here that's not going to kill them? Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. I could be like, okay, they're in a forest at level 5, so let me look at, like, the things. Okay, so a level, a challenge rating 5 thing I could put in here would be, like, something like a brontosaurus. So is that what you do for your party? You just put a challenge rating equal to the level of the party? Because I know the whole thing is like EXP based, which obviously yeah. you don't use. So it depends on if you how tough of a challenge you want it to be. Because in theory, a party of four of whatever level can take on a challenge rating of that same level. Okay. And have it be like a fair fight. You can have hard encounters where, like, you go a little bit beyond that or, like, have multiple creatures who may, like, add up to a higher number. Mm -hmm. Or you can have, like, a very easy encounter where it's something lower and, like, they can choose whether or not they're actually going to fight or, like, what they're going to do in the situation. Um, but, like, I don't know. I found the challenge rating is not always very reliable because sometimes yeah, it'll be, like... Because sometimes it's like, oh, this should be fine. This shouldn't kill them. Right. And yet... Because nothing, no, no plan stands up to the dice. Yeah. And so y'all can be like rolling like complete dog shit, and I'm like, well, this was a challenge rating two. Guess we gotta, guess we gotta dial it back again. Yeah. Or we'll be like, yeah, this is a challenge rating eight, and y'all are level five, and you're destroying this thing. What the fuck am I gonna do now? Yeah, I guess it would be hard to really plan appropriately. Yeah. Because, like, there's so many things that y'all encounter of, like, those Gorgons were not, like, super high challenge rating. No, they were not. Because I think the Gorgon was, like, challenge rating five. Embarrassing. And yet, it almost led to one party member, I mean, not death, but definitely out of the game for a while. Yeah. Uh, get, getting petrified kind of put you out for a little bit. Just a little bit. But, yeah, it's one of those things where it's, like, in theory... Challenge rating works, but in practice, it's the same way that, like, you can plan as much as you want for a session, and nothing you plan will actually match up with what your players are gonna do. Yeah, that is kind of always how that goes. Because <laughs> you always have someone who's like, 
I'm going to cause chaos for no reason, or I'm going to, like, do the thing that I think is going to be good, and it's actually very bad. Yeah. Just, can I have a moment alone with the nuts? <laughs> I think that that's something that I will never fully get over, is, like, I think that is one of my favorite in-game quotes from any of our sessions. It's just so stupid. It is, and I think that that's why it's stuck with us for so many years. Yeah, that's fair. But what about... What is a wife for? <laughs> that is true. What What is a wife for? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what's a wife for, Hannah? Clearly, I don't fucking know what a wife is for. Obviously, that's why I asked the question. Yeah, I mean... And yeah. none of the fucking other characters know either, because half of them are running away from marriages. That's fair. So, no one knows what a wife is for. Yeah, I mean, Lucy just wants uh, you to get together with, like, the hot vampire lady. And I support that, but it... It can never be, because I, I hunt vampires. <laughs> An ill-fated love. Yep. Star-crossed. <laughs> never to come together. But I know Lucy also wants me to become a vampire, yeah. so... I think it's more of, she wants you to not kill her because she wants to be a vampire, and so she's like, hmm, if I make Nisa also become a vampire... We'll see what happens first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll see if it even becomes relevant. That is also fair. But yeah, so she officially has her patron. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. I'll give, I'll give you five guesses. I don't think I need the, five. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that puts us at 50 minutes. I think that's probably good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we don't have any questions this week, but please send them in if you have any. We'll be, we should be good to record for next week, mm-hmm. um, but we'll keep anyone updated on if we're going to take another small break again. Uh, my surgery didn't happen, so we could have, in theory, done it last week, but we didn't know until the day of. So, but yeah, uh, moving on from that, we're going to get Dionysus, and we're going to have him roll today's D20, and hopefully it'll be a better one than last time, which was, what, a six? I think it was a six. I think it was a six. It wasn't great. It, it, it was real not good. Yeah, uh, so we will see you all next week. Yep, see you next week. Bye. Bye. That's the thing is, he doesn't want to play with it. Unless... Hey, 16! Hey! After much uh, much struggle, we have our dice roll of the, of the uh, fuck, the episode. <laughs> of the Gee, fuck. Look, I am having a day. <laughs> I cannot speak. Um, but yeah, so t- today's episode is a 16 out of 20. Good for yeah, us. Yeah, pretty yeah. good. <laughs> okay. We'll see you all next week.